Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Do it proud or whatever. And I may stop you in the middle of it because I just want to clarify something that we haven't clarified in a while. Okay? So, ready, set, read. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that two unchangeable things. Now stop right there. Do you remember what the unchangeable things were that we said? The first was God's word, right? It's unchangeable. It's, it's the truth. Right? It contains all of his promises. And then the second was God's covenant oath that he made to Abraham. But since we are the seed of Abraham, man, it just kind of follows all the way through to us who are in Christ. So if we are in Christ, then we are part of the covenant promise. How good is that? So we're going to start again right from this. It says, ready, set, go. So that two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So our whole goal has been in this series is to help you, help me, help all of us gain full confidence in the integrity of God's word. To gain full confidence in the integrity of God's word. Just like you know your name and I can't talk you out of your name, we want you to get to the point where you can't be talked out of God's word. When the enemy comes, or somebody else comes, you know, Nelly Negative, or you know, uh, Bummer Bob, or whatever, when they come and they try to talk you out of what God's speaking to you, you have the confidence to say, no, God's word is true. Right? And every man's a liar. That's what the Bible says. God's word is true. And so that you would have this confidence so concrete inside of you that no one can talk you out of it. But we want you to know that God is a God who keeps his word. Okay? And then to understand the reach and the reality of this oath that God took. Right? That he swore by. That then becomes an anchor to your soul. So that when you're going through rough times, when you're going and the winds and the waves are all crashing at, at you, you have this anchor to your soul that just says, man, I, it doesn't matter. I got God. I got God's word. I got Jesus. I got the Holy Spirit. I got the full package. Right? The full set. Right? We always like buying things in full sets, not, you know, one piece at a time. We've got this full set, the Trinity, the word of God. All within us. And that's an anchor to our soul. So even when the storms are coming, even when things, man, we are anchored to the rock. We are anchored. Right? We say, yeah, it doesn't matter. Because you know what? I know that my God loves me. I know my God is for me, not against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, man, it will fall to the ground. I know it. And it's concrete in me. And you can't talk me out of it, enemy. He'll try, though. Right? Because that's just his personality. He'll try. But you know what? We've got to get to the point where we just reject it. Say, no, 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 no. Well, you know that? I think I saw a shirt the other day. It said, not today, Satan. Right? Yeah. And it's just being able to say, hey, because of who I am in Christ, not today. I ain't receiving that today. I'm not taking that in today as part of my life. Okay? So if you missed any of the previous messages, I just want to encourage you to find the podcast. Go and listen. Um, you know, look at the, get these study books. I've got the, the first one and the second one too. If you want the study books or whatever, I can give those to you as well. But man, the more this becomes revelation to us, the easier it is to kind of just be in confidence 
when we walk in knowing what our covenant rights are that God has given to us. So good. So today, we're going to talk about, this is the title of the message, Covenant Love. Covenant Love. So let me pray over our message. Holy Spirit, teach us more about covenant love. Amen. Okay? So, way back in lesson two, if you uh, remember that, want to remember that far back, right? We talked about that there was two primary reasons for covenant. The first was strength and weaknesses. You remember we gave the example of, of two, two tribes or two, two groups of people. One was really good at farming and agriculture, and man, they would eat all the time. But they were lousy at war. They were no good at it, Right? And then the enemy would come and take all of their food. So then they were kind of like left with no food. They were just bad. But they knew another tribe that was really great at war. Really great at being able to fight off any kind of enemies. But they were lousy at agriculture. They didn't eat very well. So we talked about strengths and weaknesses. So these two would come together. And say, okay, all that I am is now you, and all that you are is now me. And so they would combine together, and that way the one who was weak in, in war would be protected by the ones who were strong in war. And the ones who were weak in not being able to provide produce and, and food and all that, agriculture, farming, and stuff like that, now they were receiving the benefits of, of the tribe that was good at it. And so they made, made, made covenant together for strength and weaknesses. They came together. Well, we said there was a second one, and that is love. Right? That is love. A primary reason of, of the covenant was the fact that God loved us. God loves us. And so we've, we've looked at it at, to the point so far that we've been focused on how God in this covenant exchanged his strength for your weakness. He took his strength and gave it to me. He took my weakness and he took it upon himself. Man, that is so good. I just, if you sit and think about that, because I don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. But you know what? God's eye doesn't matter. I'm going to give you all of my strength if, if you will just receive it, if you'll just walk in it, I'm going to give you all of my strength. And I'll take your weakness. Right? I'll take it. We talked about how, you know, we were slaves to sin, but we've been redeemed. Right? He redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us. He adopted us as sons and daughters. But that all happened because of what Christ did. Because of what Jesus did for you and I. The exchange of his power and authority to those who believe. So if you're a believer, he exchanged that with you on the day that you got saved. But see, then it's up to us to begin to walk in it. It's be up to us to begin to say, oh yeah, okay, this is great. See, if you were to give me the key to a Porsche 911, I've told you how that's my dream car, right? And I, and I, and I get the key, but I never drive it. I, I don't even think it's mine. Am I doing any good? Am I, am I, am I, have I really received it? That's probably a better word for it. No. It's just like, well, I got a key, but I can't believe the key's mine. Oh my gosh. Look, look, I got a key. You know, and I'll tell people, I got a key. And they're all, well, are you driving it? Do you like driving it? Oh, I never drove it. I, I don't really know if I can drive it. I don't know. I, I just, you know. Well, God's like, no, I want you to, man, take it and then drive it. Right? I want you to drive this authority. I want you to be involved and engage in kingdom stuff. Instead of just like, well, I got it, but I ain't using it. He wants us to be able to, to engage in it. Okay? So, we're going to shift from kind of that understanding that we've talked about, that he's redeemed us. We've been talking about that and how we've been sons and daughters adopted. We're, last week, we were led by the Holy Spirit in this covenant, right? And so what we want to do is we want to now touch on love. Because the Bible makes love, very, it makes it very clear that love is its primary motivation of this covenant. 
Love is the primary motivation of God providing his covenant to us. And we can find that in John 3.16. All the way through John 21. And we're going to read it right now. It says, for God so loved the world. Man, we know this. Most famous verse probably in the universe. Right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through them. So here God is. It's, it's, it's his love that, that is, is, is motivating this establishment. And you remember we talked about the, uh, oh, well, what's it called again? The um, suzerainty. I, I, I butchered it. The, the suzerainty. Man, suzerainty covenant, which we talked about the, the, the two different kinds, but the, that, that's where, where God makes all the rules, makes all, sets it all up, and then it's up to us to decide. Well, here God is, his love is so motivated that he sets this up and he says, hey, you can either accept Jesus or you can deny Jesus. Up to you. But, but and then remember we talked about in covenant two, there's blessing and cursing. Okay, so check this out. We get into verse 18, and you, and you can see a little bit of blessing and a little bit of cursing here. See, sometimes we've never looked at it from that angle when we read this portion of Scripture. But th- this is what it says. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Is that a blessing? Oh, yeah, it is. That's a blessing. Oh, man, what a blessing that is. But then it says this, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Is that a curse? Yeah. Okay. Then it says, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. That's Jesus. Okay. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Man, doesn't that sound like today? People love the darkness. Oh man, the darkness is great. It's just, you know, and, and, and here's the deal. They're, they're, they're clouded. They don't even know they're in darkness, but they love it. Because it feeds their flesh. It get, makes them feel like, oh, I got it all together. You know, I don't need anybody. It's just, come on, let's go. Let's keep feeding. You know, you, you see, like, you know, keep feeding. Just, man. But here it is. It says, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to light lest... His works should be exposed. Man, being a Christian is is harder than people think. Because once you give your life to Jesus, man, he's going to expose things. He's going to say, hey, you can't do this anymore. It's the greatest choice you can ever make. It's it's the best life you can ever make. But I'm just going to tell you, he's going to shine some light on some stuff. And all of us are going to go, oh, yeah, that's pretty dirty. That's pretty grimy. That's pretty messy. That's pretty this. Okay? And that, that's what it's talking about. So it says these people don't want that to be exposed. They don't want to have to have, be disciplined and to begin to live according to God's word. They're just like, no, I, I don't want to do that, man. I want to live according to my flesh. I want to do whatever it is I, I, I want to do. But verse 21 says this. It says, but whoever does what is true. Okay? So if, if that's your, your goal, if that's your mission, okay? Because we've got to be mission-minded. If that's your mission to do whatever is true and you're doing the best you can and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to your life and allow you to just kind of grab a hold of the truth, he says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Man, there's something about that. So, so that it can be seen, be carried out in God. Right? Are you perfect? No. But man, if your heart is set on mission to to serve God, to please God, and man, you might make a mistake, but man, you know what? That light is going to be working inside of you, and all of a sudden, it's going to start coming out your ear, coming out your eyes, not like, you know, X-Men or anything like that, but coming out, you know, just in ways that end up ministering to people, and you're just like, man, God is using me. God, God's got a plan. Oh my gosh, what is going on? But see, we have to be diligent about 
being disciplined to live according to the truth, right? And not be stuck in kind of that, that, that fleshly nature that likes to rise up so often. It just like, it just pops out of nowhere sometimes, right? You could be doing, man, great. And all of a sudden the fleshly nature just pops right up and it's like, hey, don't forget about me. And then we have to choose. What are we going to do? Okay. So the love motivation behind God's covenant keeps this agreement, right? Keeps the covenant intimate and personal with you. Okay. Because of his love, it keeps it intimate and personal with you. This isn't just for somebody else. If you're, if you're a child of God, it is for you, right? It's for you. And you can make a funny voice if you want. For me, right? Yeah, it's for you. It's set right there and available, okay? So it leads us to our very first point today. Very first truth is covenant love impassions God to keep his promises. Covenant love impassions passions God to keep his promises. Now, you know that we, I've talked about this book that we, 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 we've been asking if you wanted to read it. You can read it because it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about. But in this book, God Swears to Keep His Promises uh, by Pastor Jerry Dearman. He states this the following. I'm going to use a couple quotes this, this sermon. But it says this. If we simply made the statement, love is the primary reason that God made a covenant with man, it would be true, and yet incomplete. To understand God's motivation, right, more fully, a look at a few original words are, is required, okay? And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk kind of through four words that mean love, but we're not going to just take them from, oh, hey, love, because, you know, you can say, I love hot dogs, right? Or, oh, I love Burger King or whatever. Okay, that, that's just kind of a general statement. We just make that statement. But see, the thing is, is about the, the, the Hebrew and the Greek, man, there is so much more depth, so much more good, rich stuff that comes out of what they're trying to tell us than us just looking at it and going, you know, English, we oh, love. Love. Oh, I kind of know what love is. Yeah, I think I get what love is. But it's so much more depth to it. So much more to it. And so we want to kind of walk through those things, but they're going to be kind of tied together. I'm just giving you previews of coming attraction. But, you know, it, it ties together with our points today. Okay? So we're going to look at the first two Hebrew words that fall into this category of having a, a whole lot more than just love. Right? Okay? So Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses six through nine, okay? And this is where Moses is writing. And Moses says this. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possessions. Possession, sorry. You know, I think, wait for, for, for a second. Apply this to your life. As I'm reading into it, reading it, listen as though Moses was talking to you at that moment. Okay? So, so you can take it in. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house slavery of sin, right? From the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments 
to a thousand generations. Man, if you, if you would just grab that. Think about that. About how, how God, man, he loved, loved, loves you, right? So the first mention of love, and we're not really going to cover this word, but I just want to make a point of it. It says, you know what? God didn't choose Israel because they were great in number. Because he, he thought, oh, if I choose these guys, they're so they're great in number. Oh, man, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. This is, man, we're, we're, we're just going to, you know. No, he looked at him and said, man, you guys, I mean, you're small amongst all the other nations. So he didn't choose them because of that. But in verse 8, Moses conveys why God chose, chose Israel. He said, because he loved them. Okay? And the Hebrew word for love here is ahaba. Okay? Which describes, listen to this, an intense emotion of favor and affection that one person has for another. Right? So, that would be kind of the kind of love where a husband has for a wife or vice versa, right? Or a parent for a child or a lifelong best friend. So it's not like, hey, he loves them like he loves hot dogs. Okay? No, this is an intense and a passionate affection for his people. So, He's got this affection going, right, for his people. And in verse 8, he goes on to say that this, this kind of love is what made him or is why he kept the oath that he swore to your fathers, right? Because of this love, he, the oath that he swore, the covenant he made with Abraham that would go through generations to generations to generations, that we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we are walking in these covenant rights, these covenant things that God has for us. He did it because he loves. And it's not a love that's just set on those people, the Israelites. It's a love that's also set upon you. Upon your life. Okay? So even though we read this in the Old Testament, man, please let the Holy Spirit take you for a walk and say, man, no, this all applies to you as well because he loves you just the same. He loves you just the same. Right? And we, we, get, we get this kind of love. We, we, we kinda, it's it's kind of where we're at because it, it's what causes us to stand at the altar. Right? with great passion and excitement to, to commit ourselves wholly and completely to, to the well-being of another person, right? Marriage. We get that. Man, you get excited. You're like, oh, yeah, man. And then we make our vows. Oh, yes, death do us part. I'll be, the, you know, whatever. We understand that concept in, in that way. But then also... Think about it. Think about it this way: it or it's us spending more money than we have, lose more sleep than we ever knew we could, or work harder than we ever could, all to make a life for a newborn child who is only six months old, who will not, in turn, turn around and express his appreciation or their appreciation for what you're doing. But man, all of a sudden now, there's more crying, there's more expense. There's diapers, there's all of these things, but you know what? You love that child so much, it didn't matter. You would do whatever it took. And not only on top of that, you did it again and again and again with some, somebody, someone in your family, in, in, you know, with your family. You had more than one kid, yet somehow it erases the expense, the tiredness, the diapers, all of those things, right? Man, I, five times. Finally, we got to a point where it's like, yeah, 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 no, 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 no more. I remembered. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but, but you get the concept of it. It's just this deep, passionate, passionate love, okay? So it's God's intense favor and affection towards you and I, which keeps him committed to our relationship with him and our well-being. See, God really does care about your well-being. And then we get to verse 9. 
Okay? And that has a different love. See, if we just read it in our English language, we would just think love, 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 right? All we need is love or whatever. That's all we would think. But see, the writers, when they write, they were expressing deeper things. See, that's why it's so important to, to, to get it like a study Bible or, or get a concordance or something. And when you see a word that pops out to you, open up your, your, your concordance, open up your study Bible and look, what does that word mean? The depth of that word. Because again, English, we just translated love. Well, again, you could do, oh yeah, that's like loving hot dogs. Great. No, no, it's so much deeper, so much depth to it, okay? And in verse 9, Moses writes this, who keeps covenant and steadfast love. In the New King James, it says, keeps covenant and mercy. Okay, so which leads us to our second point. Covenant love moves God to be tenderhearted and extend mercy. Covenant love, right? The covenant love he has with me and you moves God to be tenderhearted and extend, extend mercy towards us. So this word for love in, 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 in this portion in verse 9 is the Hebrew word hesed. Okay, which Complete, carries kind of a completely different meaning than the others. And, and really, it's, it's probably one of the, the richest um, words to describe covenant. Um, but this word has said, conveys this idea. Loyal love. Loyalty. Loyal love. Loyal love that is already in action. Consistently demonstrated and is ever ready to overcome any obstacle. How many face obstacles? Oh, all of us do, right? But this love that God has for you, he's ready and willing to help you overcome these obstacles. But see, what oftentimes we do, we don't run to him. We don't run to daddy, you know, in the, in the, in the covenant of the love we just kind of like, well, no, I got to take care of myself. I hope he comes. I hope he shows up. But, but see, the first thing we should do is be running right to him, right to the covenant love of daddy and say, hey, father, man, this is where I'm at. Man, I know, but you know what? I'm already, I'm, I'm working on it. Trust me. Have faith in me. Let me, let me help you through this process. But it, it's ever ready to overcome any obstacle. It's an unfailing kind of love. It's loaded with kindness, goodness, and again, that word loyalty. Man, isn't it good to have a f person that's loyal to you? Right? Just, man, yeah, that's it. I'm loyal, man. Whatever. Whatever it takes. And it, it's interesting, too, because in other versions of Scripture, um, and which they correctly translated, but here, here are a few words that you'll find if you're reading, meaning the same word as hesed. Right? This, this, this love. This unfailing love. Okay? Words like mercy, loving kindness, steadfast love, unfailing love, and faithfulness. So if you're running across these words, then you, you can look at it and go, hey, I wonder if that's his said. And if it's his said, woo, that's power packed. That's amazing. Let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalms is really good at this. Psalms has a lot of said love in it. It says this in Psalms 100, verse 4 through 5. It said, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love, that's his said love, endures, not sometimes, right? Not only when you're a good boy or girl and you've done everything right for the day, man, I did my journaling or I did my little devotion and I did this or whatever. And it, that applies now. No, it says endures forever. It's like, man, it's his, his said love is ongoing all the time. And his faithfulness to all generations. I, man, I'm part, I, I just part of the generation. It doesn't matter if you're Gen X or you're, you know, 
um, a boomer sooner, whatever, boomer, whatever it is. He's faithful to all generations. Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy, that's his said, love, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That his said love will follow you, that action love, that loyalty, he will, it's there all the days of our life. Psalms 23:10, My sorrows come to the wicked, but the unfailing love. Right? Can you guess what, what, what that is? His said, his said love surrounds those, get it, surrounds, right? Those who trust the Lord. Man, if you're walking in trust and you're like, man, God, man, I, I, may, I don't have the answers at all. I'm trusting you. You, you got this and hey, man, that's all I know to do. Guess what? You are surrounded with his, his said love. There, man, it's, that's amazing. That's like, man, I'm impenetrable. But see, we, but what happens is we don't think that. And the enemy goes, yeah, no, no, you're impenetrable. Yeah, I can, I can penetrate you. Just let me drop this in your ear. Oh, my gosh. Right? When we should be like, no, man, I'm walking in this said love. It's, it's moving. It's active in my life. It's got all this stuff to it. And here's another great scripture. Exodus chapter 34, 6 through 7. Because just to prove it, this is how God introduces himself to Moses. Okay? So I'm just trying to prove that this is what, who, what God, God is saying. Right? So what he's doing, God is announcing his heart. Right? His heart um, is full of this covenant love and loyalty. This, this is what he said. Verse 6. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. Man, can you, can you just imagine that? But here, here he is. God's calling this out. He said, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. God's announcing, hey, I'm full of his said love. I, I got this mercy going on. And I'm just full of unfailing love and faithfulness, loyalty. Meaning he's not going to turn his back on you. Who turns the back? We do. But he's not going to turn his back on you. It says verse 7, I lavish. You got to love that word lavish, right? But he says, I lavish unfailing love. Again, that's his sad love. He's poor. He just wants to dump it on you. Right? He wants to back the dump truck. Beep, 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 beep. Right? And just pour it on you. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So here has said, right, conveys this covenant loyalty, loyalty, a strong commitment to the covenant he made with Abraham that is carried through thousand generations. It's, it's, man, it's in our DNA. When we make Jesus Savior, it's in our DNA, this covenant love that God has for us. And not only does he show mercy, right? You know, we read and says, oh, God is a God of mercy towards us. But it would be also appropriate to say God keeps mercy. God keeps his said love towards you. He, he doesn't let it go. He doesn't dis disregard you. And say, well, yeah, and you disappointed me so many times. I just cannot love you anymore. See, we're, we're really good at that sometimes. In the natural, in our flesh. Because someone's let us down. Someone's done this. Someone's then done that. And we're, we're easy to just say, yeah, I don't love them anymore. I, I'm ready to discard them. I don't even want to talk to them anymore. I, I've fallen into that category. And man, the Holy Spirit has to do a work on my life. Because why do I treat someone... When God should have treated me that way. I'm supposed to treat people the way God treated me. Right? And so he, he, here he is. He, he keeps 
mercy. He keeps has said love, not just because he made this covenant, right? And he wants to keep the integrity of his word, but it's because he is excited and passionate and strongly committed to fulfilling every jot and every tittle of his, his said love because it's inexhaustible. His love for you is inexhaustible. But it's also already in action. It's in action. He, he, he wants to lavishly pour out that love in action. Right? And then you can see too, it goes to a thousand generations. Right? That, I mean, that's, that's a... a um, a measurement of his commitment when he says that. Think about it. That's, that's the measurement of his commitment. Man, I, I'm in this for thousands of generations. See, so you, you can't sit there and go, well, no. Scripture tells me that. Wow. I'm so glad that I fall under that thousand generations. Truth number three. Covenant love inspires God to bestow grace. Covenant love inspires God to bestow grace. So, here we're going to shift now to the New Testament. Okay, so we kind of did two words in the Old Testament. Now we're going to shift and do two words in the New Testament. Because God's covenant love continues to unfold, uh, particularly in the usage of these two Greek words that we're going to go through. Now, the first Greek word is uh, charis, or yeah, charis, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Charis, okay? Now, this is used 155 times in the New Testament, and it's most often translated as grace. You ever heard that word in your Bible? You ever heard grace, okay? Right? And grace describes that which affords one joy, pleasure, delight, through the showing of kindness and graciousness, favor and good will. But specific to God, the word describes a divine goodwill that, that could never be earned. You can't earn it. He just loves you. All he requires is that you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Right? Because when we don't do that, then there's, there's ramifications to that. But all he says is, you know what? My heart wants you to confess my son as Lord and Savior. But here's the deal. If you don't, I'm sti I still love you. And my heart is for you to turn back to me. Your heart is for, for you to come to me. But man, I'm a just God too. And if you don't, there are ramifications to that. But see, man, it's this, this grace that he wants to pour out on all of us. So it can never be earned, but is freely bestowed to benefit the recipient, regardless of the cost to the one who is allocating the benefit. Right? So there's a cost in it. It costs God something. It costs Jesus something. But it didn't matter the cost of it didn't matter. So where the Old Testament was based in said or, or mercy, where God's love did not impose on someone a consequence they deserved, the New Testament that we're currently in, freely, grace freely bestows on someone a benefit that they could not have earned. Right? But here's the deal. Both both of those demonstrate the attributes of God's covenant love. Right? The mercy and the grace. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, have been, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then you have in John chapter 14.9, Jesus said this, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So recognize, now here's another quote from the book. Recognizing this, right? 
this John 1.14 passage about, you know, um, the glory as the Son from the, uh, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14, it says this in, from the book, Just as God is full of his said covenant love, so is he a father who is full of, uh, what's the word? Charis, grace, right? Now I've got it in my head. I'm going to butcher it every single time. But, but think about that. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, right? Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So if he is full of his said, then he's full of cares in your life. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, right? That we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. So in other words, we are to draw near with confidence because of this careless love, right? This careless love, right? We, we are to enter this throne room of grace, but re- recognizing that the one who sits on the throne of grace is one that moves in kindness, favor, graciousness, goodwill, and mercy towards you. Ever thought about that? He, he invites you. He says, come to the throne room of grace. All I can think about is mercy, goodness, kindness. All I can think about is man wanting to be in your life and, 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 and there for you. But see, we need to be confident in him loving us to that degree. Because oftentimes what happens is, see, we, we come in tentatively. Well, I know. <laughs> How's he going to react? Man, is he going to hit me with the lightning bolt? Is he going to send, you know, just, just this wave of destruction? Is he just going to be like, stand up and say, oh, why do you do that, Pastor Scott, all the time? No. It says we come boldly into his throne. Boldly. Hey, Dad, I'm here. Yeah, I kind of messed up. I, you know, I, I, I'm dirty. I, I, my, my righteousness is pretty bad. It's filthy rags right now. But man, I'm so glad that you love me. I'm so glad there's kindness and goodwill. And, and you just want to pour it out to me. And so take my dirt. Take it all. And you know what? He doesn't sit there and go, well, how dare you say that to me? Because you did. No, he's like, yeah, I want to do that for you. I want to surround you with my presence. I want to surround you with my love. I want there, right, to be there. And then it says, in the time of need, right? We're all in need. I don't know there's a minute in my day that I'm not in need. I mean, it might be different for you. But there is not a moment in my day that I am not in need. That I cannot run to the throne room of grace and receive the kindness and goodness of God. Even in my dirtiness of sin. Even in my dirtiness and just smelliness. He's right there willing to just, come here. Let me put that robe of righteousness back on you. Let me clean you up by my blood. Man, that is, that is the love that he has for each one of us. Just, okay, I'll blow your mind. But see, we, we've got to get beyond that scariness. And just realize, you know, whatever picture you have of a father, whether you grew up with a father who was really loving and caring, or you grew up with a father who was really mean and hard and whatever, man, God's love is just far beyond anything we can imagine. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit to help you recognize the love of God. And it's so important to press in and keep asking, right? Bible says you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we just, hey, give me a deeper revelation of God's love. Will you do that, Holy Spirit? Will you give me a deeper revelation? Because my revelation or what I think of God is kind of whacked sometimes. And the Holy Spirit's like, yes, I will. But listen to me, please. You got to listen to me.
And then we got to just put ourselves in that position. And that's concerning everything, right? That's concerning everything. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the one man, this is Adam, Adam, right? For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Okay, and then this kind of, then it says much more, or how much more. Those who receive, that's key. Please hear me. Those who receive, because there are those who won't receive. Don't be that. Right? Don't, don't, you know. It says, how much more those who receive abundance of grace. Abundance of his love. Something you didn't even earn. But he's pouring it out to you anyways. If you receive that. And then it says, and of the gift of righteousness. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Yet because I gave Jesus my life and I asked for the forgiveness of my sin, now I've become righteous. This is a gift. Will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And then let me give you one last one that talks about, talks about that word. Okay, and this is the very last verse in the New Testament. It's almost as though God wanted to ring it true in your ears to just let it sit in if you read your whole Bible or if you read Revelations and you get to Revelations at the very end. It's like he's all, hey, pay attention to this. I want it to ring in your ears. He says this in Revelations 22, 21. It's like it just echo, like he's wanting it to echo throughout time. It says the grace, right, this kindness, this favor, this unmerited thing that we have. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So be it. Right? So he's saying, man, man, let's remember this grace is there for you. Let it be there for you. Let it, let it be something that is a part of your life. Let's get to truth number four real quick. This is the last truth I promise. We're not doing 20 verses, truths or whatever. But truth number four, covenant love provokes God into redemptive action. Okay? Covenant love provokes God into redemptive action. Now, this is where the second Greek word of love comes from into play. This word is agape. Okay? Agape. And it's word you use 300 times in the Bible for various reasons. Okay? But it primarily describes God's love. To and um, to to mankind, okay. John three sixteen. We all know it well. We read it already. But for God so loved agape, agapeo, the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love, agape, towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So agape means an unconditional, undefeatable affection, goodwill, and love. An unconditional. You could just put unconditional love if you wanted to. Right? But it describes what occurs when an individual recognizes and appreciates the value of another to the point that they are compelled to bypass any and all limits or boundaries that determine how far, how wide, how high, how deep they will go to demonstrate their love to the recipient. I think that's why Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. He said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That a copy love. He's loving you unconditionally. And not just what he said there, but also a copy love walks into this. A copy love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of that object or person it so deeply cherishes. And here's the key. There's no strings attached. And no expectation of anything in return. Jesus gave his life for us. He gave his life. So when we look at it from that perspective, right? John 16 and, and, and Romans 5, 8. We can see now that they convey God's covenant love towards us. That it's so intense and so compelling that he chose to sacrifice his son for you and I and the rest of the world. Right? Because he wants to save mankind. That's his redemptive heart. That's his redemptive action towards us. But it's agape love. Man, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Oh, it's going to take my son to die on the cross? Let's do it. You know, and, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I know this didn't happen. No dialogue in heaven happened. I'm sure like Jesus is like, what? You know, when you tell your kids to do something and your kids are like, what? Right? He didn't probably say, he said, I look forward to it. I absolutely, Father, look forward to it. Yeah, did he have a little bit in, in the garden when he said, Father, take this cup from me if we can do it any other way? Yeah. But he was, he was wrestling with his, that, that fleshly part that he, you know, that was coming. But man, he put that thing under his feet, went to the cross. He did it unconditionally. Unconditional love. So when we, we, when we, when we kind of look at that, then we look at John. Now, John is called the, the apostle of love, right? He's the one that wrote all this stuff about God and, and, and the love of Christ and all that. But he, 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 in John, 1 John chapter 4, he uses this word love, this agape word, 13 times in five verses. Do you think he's trying to get something across? 13 times in five verses. Okay. Seven of those times is God's love demonstrated towards us. But here, here's the kicker. So you were talking about redemptive action. So not only does God have agape love towards us and wants this redemptive action to take place, but he also wants us as believers who are in Christ, in covenant with him, to also be reactionary towards others. So there's this kind of like cause and effect thing going on. If you got God, then man, you know what? There's an effect that you need to be doing in your life as well. 1 John 4, 7, and 12. This is my last verse. It says, dear friends. So like, you're my dear friends, right? Just picture that. You're at my house, fireplaces going, food on the table. And I'm like, hey, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Now remember, this is agape, unconditional love. Yeah, just phantom that. Unconditional love to somebody that's kind of unlovely or unlovable in a sense. No, he says, no, 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 no. You, you just need to be loving. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Now, you might be saved, right? But you still don't really know God because God's an agape love, unconditional love, because God is love, right? So how do I know he loves me? Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Did you see that? That's how you know he loved us. 
This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as, in, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, right? So God is, not, God is not reactionary. God's love is not reactionary. It's not based on our love for him. He already went and did it. Think about that. He, he already went and did it. Because our love for God is reactionary. If you think about it, our love for him is reactionary because we had the Holy Spirit convince us and, and, and prove to us and give us the truth that Christ died for us. So we're reacting. But see, God already went ahead and did it. He's not, he's not reacting. It's already been established. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another, not one no, sorry, no one has ever seen God, but, 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 I'm just trying to drive home a point, but if we love one another, now, remember, this word love is agape, unconditional love. That's what he's talking about, okay? If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So good. Now I know why they call him John, the, the, the apostle of love. But that is so good. We are supposed to take on the character of God. The character of Jesus, right? And so, man, this love comes out of us unconditionally. Yeah, I know you're a mess up. Yeah, I know you're jacked up. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But then that's where, but, 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 but I'm going to love you anyways. Right? You go out beyond your four walls and you walk amongst the, 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 the places you travel and you'll encounter people. If you start talking to them, if you start opening up about your walk with Jesus, man, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. But man, that's when that word, but, but, let me tell you something. Man, God told me to love you unconditionally just like he loved me. And I want to see you have a relationship with him. So here, God just kind of comes through this demonstration of agape love towards us when we reflect that agape love to others. So, you're going to have to get your butt on, right? You're going to have to get it on and say, okay, man, I'm uncomfortable with that. But man, if that's what God wants me to do, then I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do this. So let me finish. I'm going to quote from the, from the book again. And it's just going to give you the bottom line of kind of what this message is about. And then, then we're going to wrap it up. This is what the book says. God will not only keep his covenant promises because he swore a blood covenant oath, but he will also keep his promises to you because he has an overwhelming and driving force in his heart that compels him to lavish you with kindness, goodness, mercy, grace, loyalty, faithfulness, and unfailing love. And then it ends, God loves you. Put your name at the end. Take the you out and just put God loves. He does. So as we've been talking about these covenant promises and how God wants to have these covenant promises activated in our life that are just sitting there ready for us as a believer, as a child of God that's been redeemed and been adopted. And as we begin to grab a hold of God's word and we begin to say, okay, this is part of the covenant, then I have a right to it because I am in contract. I am in covenant with God. Therefore, you know what? I, I know that not only is he going to keep that word because he swore an oath to it, but it's because he loves loves me. Ooh, that's so rich, so deep. 
But see, man, we, if you need a deeper revelation of God's love for you, ask the Holy Spirit today. Don't, don't let a day go by where you don't ask the Holy Spirit for a deeper understanding of God's love for you. Whether it's any of those four words, or there's even more words for love. But even if it's just, Lord, let me have a deeper understanding of your agape love for me. Let me have a deeper understanding of this has said love. Whatever, whatever, this grace. Don't let a day go by. Because like I said, I think they want to back up. God wants to back up the truck, right? And dump, lavish you with that love. He wants you to grow in that love that you're so convinced, man, my daddy loves me. That, man, I, I, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm just walking through. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, it looks rough. It's tough. It's hard. But, man, I'm just walking through because this covenant love that he has for me, is, 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 it's stabilizing me. It's, it's made me have an ability to, to navigate through these very tough times. But it's because of this love. Right? And it goes on to say, man, he's prepared a table in the presence of your enemy. Think about that. See, we just can't give the enemy a seat at our table. We need to step up, step up the table and it's one-on-one -on -one with you and Jesus. But we have to understand he, he wants to lavish this love upon us. And that's part of why he keeps covenant. He, he, he keeps covenant because of that. So today, I, I just want you to recognize and realize that God loves you so dearly and so deeply that he is, is willing to keep covenant with you. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. Right? That's why we have those promise books out there. You might say, well, Pastor Scott, I don't know how to jump in and dive in and, and figure out how, how, how that all works. Well, we made it easy for you. You can grab those promises and say, these are the promises that God's promised to you in the covenant. These are the promises. And so if that's the promise, then I can read that and I can begin to meditate on it and I can begin to get it down in my spirit and in my thing. And then you know what? It becomes so concrete and ain't nobody talking you out of it. And you're presenting it before the Lord. Lord, this is part of what you said. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe you that your word is true. And he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go do this thing. See, he, 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 he's just, I think sometimes God is just eager. I think we hold him back because of our lack of faith, because of our lack of knowledge. We hold, let me, let me rephrase it this way. We hold him back in our life, in our own life. See, God can do whatever he wants to do. God can do it whenever he wants to do it. But I think sometimes in our own life, we hold him back because we don't understand his love for us. We don't understand it. That is so much deeper and so much more than just a love of hot dogs. It's just, oh. So, you got homework this week. Homework is, each and every day, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for a deeper understanding of God's love for you. Okay? Now, you're not going to get checked when you come in next week, and we're going to check off a box, and you get a gold star. But if you want me to do that, I'll do that. But this is totally between you and God. But I, I'm, 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 I'm begging you as your pastor. I'm begging you. Man, get in there with the Holy Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, help me to grow in my revelation of this love that you have for me. Because once you understand, man, it starts there, boom, it's coming. It's going to start flooding out to others. And man, it's going to start touching people and you're going, man, Pastor Scott, I got all these people talking to me and I'm just witnessing to them and I'm doing this. And then, man, I'm even discipling people now. Wouldn't that be radical? Where all of a sudden now we start discipling people one-on-one? -on -one? Because, because we're, we've got this understanding and revelation. So bow your heads with me for a second. 
Holy Spirit, as we end our service, I just so desire that each one of us, even me included, Lord, would this week have such a lavish amount of revelation concerning God's love for us. That it would become so concrete in us that whenever the enemy comes, man, we shut that down right away. And so Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, as we do our homework, speak and reveal. Lead us to scriptures. Lead us to study a little bit more or to dive in a little deeper. But we want to be kingdom-minded people. And that starts with us really gaining a revelation of what this love's all about. And so I thank you for what you've done today. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking each and every person's language that they have heard it the way you want them to hear it. I thank you that you have been in this, you are in this place. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.